everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, well, the program's designed just for someone like me. You know, there's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't have to be soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been in the back of my mind for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a deep chapter and verse theological discussion, sometimes a casual front porch style talk with a pastor is the best way to understanding. That's what this program's all about. And today's guest pastor is Lance O'Donnell of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Oconomowoc. I think this time I got it. Did I get it right, Oconomowoc? Not bad. Well, close. Near, 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 near enough. And I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. So you can send your questions by email at any time during the program to let's talk at kfuo.org or call in during the program. You can call in in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, at 314-821-0850 or anywhere in North America, toll free at 800-730-2727. Well, welcome to the porch, Pastor. Yeah, good to be here. So, we finally made it to summer. It's August. <laughs> yes. And, you know, we say, as we say here in St. Louis, you know, when it's 90 out, you don't know if they're talking about the temperature, the humidity, or both. Yeah, no doubt. Same way up there in uh, Wisconsin? Well, not nearly as humid, I'm sure. Um, it's going to be warm for us this weekend, 90 or something like that, but um, I'm sure we won't have quite the humidity that you all do. Yeah, well, we're looking, uh, yeah, it's 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 quite a change. You know, I lived in the, in the uh, desert in Southern California for about 15, 16 years, and we actually would have single-digit humidity out there. Right. And they say, oh, it's a dry heat. So is my oven. Right. <laughs> yeah. we, we just got back from vacation, and uh, we did Grand Canyon and Zion National Park and Bryce, and um, my sunglasses actually melted uh started to melt coming out of the Hoover Dam. It was 120 degrees. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I've been that I've been in temperature that high before. It is not fun. Yeah. Wow. Boy, I bet the Grand Canyon tour must have been something. I was there once as a kid and I've flown over it a few times. And it's just it it's incredible. I mean the the, the formations and the it, it was absolutely breathtaking as I I told people I said, you know, I was I was at the Grand Canyon on the way to San Diego when I was a boy, eight years old. That was 40 years ago. And my wife had never been there. My kids had not. And, you know, we we got to the trailhead. We hadn't seen the canyon yet. Um, We're at the Bright Angel trailhead. We walked through a portico, and there it was. And I almost almost wept. It was just so absolutely breathtaking. Mm -hmm. You know, even after, I don't know how many documentaries I've seen, or uh, pictures about the national parks. Just seeing the just the vastness of it was it was it was just breathtaking. It's amazing the beauty that God's put on this earth. Amen. I remember um, some years ago I was flying from California out to Florida to visit my parents, and the flight took us right over the Grand Canyon and the desert. And apparently, you know, the desert. That that desert, it rains maybe, you know, two or three inches a year, but it all comes at once. Right. And the whole desert was was in bloom, and here I am, thirty thousand feet up, looking down at the desert, and it's bright red, from all the flowers that are blooming. Oh, wild! And it was just spectacular. Uh, you know, we'd see that. I'd see that a lot in Palm Springs too. Uh, people don't realize that that uh, cactus is flowering. Sure. 
And, oh, there were some marvelous, marvelous uh, things. I used to go around taking pictures of the, uh, of the flowers on cactus when they bloom. It was just, just amazing. It is beautiful. It is. It is. One of uh, God's first article gifts to us, and I don't think sometimes we appreciate it enough. Sure. Yeah, the canyon's interesting, just even from a spiritual standpoint, because it's at the same time, it's, it is absolutely breathtaking and beautiful. Uh, on the other hand, it is, uh, that's a consequence of destruction. Okay, go into that a little bit. Right, right. You could, I mean, the, the canyon comes about by just massive amounts of water carving through it. It's a, mm. you know, there's a bit of a metaphor for Christian life there, I think. <laughs> you know, it's beautiful and it's broken. That's a good point. That's a real good point. It's like sinner and saint at the same time. No doubt. Well, I wanted to talk to you about something that happened to me just recently. Sure. And it's bugging me a bit. Uh, you know, I mentioned before in the program that I'm a widower. Yep. And uh, we just passed the anniversary of my wife's death, and I completely forgot it. Yeah. I forgot it. And and uh, you're feeling guilty. Yeah. You you want the truth? I am. Yeah. <laughs> and I I don't know. Should I feel guilty? Well, uh, I don't think so. Um, necessarily, but, you know, I just, uh, I, I think I sent you a copy of my homily for this weekend. You did, and I've read it. Um, in fact, I got a copy of it right here in front of me. Uh, that, and, that, that, you know, it, it can be a sign of carelessness, you know, or it could be a sign of, of healing, um, you know, that, and God has enabled you to focus on the, I mean, you obviously thought of it later, but, you know, that, I mean, we know, we've talked before, God brought another beautiful woman into your life yes. in whom you rejoice, and, you know, you're, um, you know, you have your contentment in Christ, and, you know, what the, the pain and difficulty of that day, you know, um, you actually got to the point where he, it wasn't brought to mind. Uh, that sounds to me a lot like forgiveness. That's what I wanted to hear, <laughs> but yeah, it's that's what I was hoping it is. I mean, it's—is it forgiveness? Is it that there's a curing? Uh, I was somewhat concerned that perhaps there was something a little bit darker at play. Uh, you know, we've been—we were married for thirty-two years, for Pete's sakes. Sure. And uh, you know, how could I forget something like what, that? What, now, what's your um, what's your your wedding anniversary of your first wife? Uh, that would have been September the ninth. Okay. That I remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, again, I'm just, you know, I mean, we're not actually, a, as it were, sitting on a front porch here. Yeah. I, you know, I would, I would tell you that, you know, maybe that's a sign of healing and that God is, you know, God is have you focusing on what you have and not on what you don't. Um, well, I, I was thinking that was, that might have been it. Um, you know, my life to me right now is so fulfilling. Uh, and it's just, I'm, I'm as happy as I've ever been in my life right now. Uh, but I mean, last year, for example, I knew when the anniversary was there, I was aware of it. I remember sure. it that day, but this year it just, just didn't happen completely once. So, yeah, well, I, I hope that that's, that's a sign of, I mean, it doesn't mean 
you know, I just don't think you should feel overly guilty because you didn't remember it. I mean, there would, there might be others that would tell you different, but I just, I wouldn't have you wallow in guilt. Um, you know, you, you've grieved, um, and you still do, right? I mean, we've talked about this on a number of occasions. Oh, yeah. But God has given you a life to live, and, you know, you're, you're living by the grace of God a forgiven life that's uh, focused on what you have and not necessarily on what you don't, and, uh, you know, that's a, that's a thing to give thanks for. And I would suspect also that it would not be a good thing for me to let that color what I have now, what God has given me now. Yeah, and it, it, I just and I don't think that's it's not it's not disrespect to your wife, you know, your first wife, or to your second, for that matter. Mm-hmm. Um, to, to think of that, or even, or even, or even to talk about it, you know, I, like I said, the, you know, I would, I would just tell you as a, you know, sitting on the porch as a pastor here that, um, that can be a sign of, you know, uh, of healing and, you know, and you're focusing on what, you know, contentment as Paul speaks about. So, you know, I, I as I as I told you off, you know, off the air, for the. You know, listen for the li- listeners here. I had a, I had an analogous experience, at least, yeah. while I was on vacation. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So, because uh, the you know one of the reasons, Lance, why I bring up some personal matters on this sure. program, is you know I'm nothing special. I think there's a lot of people out there who've gone through the similar things that I have, and I'm just trying to ask the questions that. They affect me, and I'm sure that other people have had exactly the same thing. I'm not the only person who's lost a spouse. No, no doubt. I mean, right? And your spouse, you you didn't think about the anniversary, and you're wondering, you know, have I sinned? Have I dishonored my first wife? Yeah. Um, in such a way, and I would tell you, go in peace. You know that <laughs> God has given you forgiveness and healing, and it's you know, I mean, I've talked to you enough to know that that your, you know, your first wife is part of your everyday life, and even for her family that might be listening, there's no dishonor there. Well, you also went through something of a similar situation. I, I, I did get your homily, and I did read it. Um, do you want to share it with our audience? Sure. Um, I, share, I, I was, I, you know, for the audience, I was, my family and I took a couple weeks to do a national park tour, and that included... Um, we were in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Santa Fe, and visiting friends over the Fourth of July, and we were we were having so much fun and enjoying each other. Um, our our hosts down there were were just magnificent, and they showed us around. and She cooked us a great meal, and we had a couple margaritas. And then she's a composer, and uh, and played us a couple of the songs that she wrote for a one for a film and another for a friend. And I just remember, it, and we were just having so much fun. And, I, and, and the 4th of July happens to be the day that I made 25 years ago a, a feeble attempt on my own life. And I didn't even think of it. It didn't even come to my mind um, until... 
uh, two weeks later, I was back, and while I was away, a, a member of my parish committed suicide. Mm. And um, so a couple days after I got home from vacation, I went to the funeral, which was officiated by our associate pastor, Steve Charnell. And it was in the middle of his sermon, as, the, as Pastor Charnell was attempting to wrestle with our Christian hope, and yet the way that this man had died, that it occurred to me that the 25th anniversary of my own attempt had passed, and I hadn't even thought about it until that moment. Was that the first time you'd forgotten that? That is, I, every 4th of July since 1993, I have always at least thought about it. I mean, I often took some time to go off and read and meditate. Uh, so the fact that it hadn't even occurred to me you know, again, I'm thinking about this in the middle of a sermon, so pastors aren't the only ones who think of other things in the middle of a sermon. <laughs> right? Or you right. Know, your people aren't. Um, pastors do it too. Um, I was, it just occurred to me in the middle of this, in the middle of this sermon, I, I had a profound moment of, of thankfulness that, it, this, you know, this is, we're there with the family and friends dealing with some really difficult and despairing circumstances. And I just remembered I had no recollection of how bad that was 25 years before, and, and I thanked God for being on the other side of despair. And also, you, know, you can look back at those 25 years and how many different lives you've touched. I mean, you're married, you have children, you've got a parish now. Think of all the people you've, you've touched. Right. It, it is. So, you know, it, it was just... I'm so incredibly thankful, right? I mean, you know, and, that, and we've talked about this over the course of time, too. I just, all that stuff is past, you know, and increasingly less does it encroach upon my present. And I, I just count, Kip, I, sound, I count that as a gift of God. That, um, you know, as Paul says, you know, forgetting what is behind and straining forward towards what ahead, you know, we reach for the the prize that is ahead for us in Christ Jesus. And I, I, the, the fact that that is not such a burden to me mm. anymore, I just count as a, I'm just so, I'm so thankful, and that's a gift of God. Well, I think I'm starting to, to look at my lapse, if you will, um, <laughs> the same way. Uh, I'm, I I'm, hope so. Yeah, go ahead. No, I, I hope I, I hope, and I as I just say, I hope you would. Yeah, and you know, and part of you know for your for your for your listeners. Um, sorry, hold on, you, hold on a second. I just had a computer go off in my office. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it didn't catch fire. No, no, I apo I apologize. I apologize for that. Um, so. Uh, forgive me. Bad computer. Naughty me. computer. There we go. Um, my encouragement to your to your listeners, whoever's you know out there listening, is that you know some you know some of you might be despairing, and I would encourage you to go talk to your pastor, or if you don't have a pastor, just to find one and go talk to. You know, go to go to lcms.org and type in your zip code and go find a, a nearby Lutheran pastor and call and tell them, you know, talk and, and talk about this. And because, 
you know, my experiences and so many other people that I know is that there is a life ahead for you, and there is hope and, and a future. And I know, I know for some that, that might be listening, that might be hard to imagine right now, but I'm telling you, um, I, re- I remember being there. Oh. And, and it's so, you know, uh, there, there is hope. Well, I remember you and I discussed last time uh, we were on the air together uh, you know, what it was about the woman who came into my life that 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 trapped and what's the word I'm looking for that that got me. Yeah. Uh, well, she had hope. Right. That was it. There was hope in everything that she did, and she even had hope in me. And uh, boy, that was a real eye opener. <laughs> <laughs> Because I didn't have hope in me at that point, but yeah, uh, well, no, it's just, but I mean, think about where you were, you know, and where you are now, mm-hmm. and it's you know, it's easy for for someone who's in the midst of doubt and despair, you, you know, you can, you, you know, it's easy to say that's for you, you know, that's not for me, but I'm just, I'm just telling you, as someone, as somebody who's been there, is. There's forgiveness and there's hope in Christ, and go talk. You know, yeah. let 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 a pastor, a pastor, part of a pastor's work is is to hear is to hear the the confession and cry of those who call you know call out and ask why and what's going on and and to help and to help find hope and purpose in Christ. And it's there. You just have to there. open your eyes to it. Yep. It, easier said than done, but I mean, <laughs> it's quite true. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's. I, I just would appeal to anybody listening that's despairing. Is again, you know, wherever you are, if you don't, if you have a pastor, go see your pastor. If you don't, if you don't, you know, go to lcms.org and type in your zip code and find a church nearby and call the pastor and and talk. You know. Um, in you know, in my in my experience with this, I, I kind of crawled into a shell, and nobody, you know, I thought nobody could understand, and it was just that was the worst possible place for me to be. Oh yeah, right, and and pretty much for anybody in that situation. Yeah, and that's despair. Sometimes I think is a, is is a form of selfishness. It can be. Yeah, to the belief that well, gee, you're. Nobody can possibly understand what I'm going through. Why? Are you so special? No, I mean, and uh, I, I, Jesus proved time and again he understood. I, I have often thought, you know, in the, 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 the moment of despair, if you will, on the cross where he said, my God, my God, why have you forget, forsaken me? Yeah, from Psalm 22. Yeah. What he was saying, he was talking to us, saying, I understand the concept of despair. I know what it is. I know what's in your heart. And this is one of the great mysteries, right, of Christianity and the glories of it, I think, is oh. we have a we have a God, as the letter to the Hebrews tells us, that that sympathizes with our weaknesses. Mm. You know, that has been tempted in every way that we are, just uh, without sin, thank God. Yeah. And he fully understands. That that's the other thing that really gets me is it's a, is there's it's not just forgiveness. There's understanding. Indeed. Hmm. Indeed. And if uh, some of our audience happens to have some thoughts of that, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call. Area code 314 or 800-730-2727. After all, this is the front porch. You're more than welcome to join us up here. Well, a couple of other things. Uh, 
been in the back of my mind. Uh, sure. I have an older brother. Yeah. And uh, he's, 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 he just turned 79. And I called him. We did a little FaceTime type thing. And uh, age has not been good to him. His, uh, his mind is as sharp as it ever was, and he's scary smart. Uh, but his body has been betraying him, if you will. And he's now in an assisted living uh, situation. And I keep looking at this frail old man. That's the only way I can describe it, is this frail old man. And then I think back to this this guy I knew who was almost larger than life. He was like six foot five, you know, big bulky guy, played football, uh, brilliant scholar. Uh, and uh, I, I just trying to deal with this physical deterioration and combined with the fact that you know he might he might not be around that much longer and once he goes he's gone i'm going to be the the, <laughs> the oldest in the family now uh, and it's uh how many of the how many were you or there was just the two of us but he's okay. got two he's got two sons and their families but okay. uh, well, you know, we used to joke when my dad was around. He we we'd call. He was Alan the eldest. My brother was uh, Alan the elder. Alan the elder, elder. I was Alan the younger, elder. And then the, his sons were the uh, the elder, younger, and the younger, younger. Yeah. So we're going to change this around. You know. So right now he's Alan the eldest, and I'm Alan the uh, the the uh, the younger eldest. You know, it's it's interesting, isn't it? In our in our families. Um, how far do you live at a distance from your brother? Yeah, he lives around. Uh, he lives in Albuquerque. Okay. Um, you know, we don't see each other often. You know, we what? You know, when we move away, if we're not around, and and that can lead to certain things. You know, we tend to think of people as we knew them before. You know, my my mother has talked about this because you know my father died when he was fifty. Ooh. You know, and and mom is seventy six now. You know, and we all remember my dad as a younger man. You know, we never had to see my dad get old and, you know, and struggle with some of those things. Um, and I just, I, I find that um, interesting. I, had a, I have a cousin, you know, we talked about his boy. I did his wedding, but, you know, my cousin Steve, I think, golly, he was my age when he died in his late 40s. 48, something like that, in a plane crash. Yes, you did. And, uh, you know, so, and he's, so he's in all of our memories. He's eternally young. And, you know, it's not really fair to everybody else, actually. We see each other getting old, and we kind of pass judgment on one another. Um, oh, you haven't taken care of yourself, or so-and-so's gaining weight, or so-and-so's losing his hair, and the guy who died is eternally young. Yeah. Um, but you know we do that in our we do that in our families, and that's uh, not necessarily a favor. Well, I remember back in um, I guess it was around seventy eight. Uh, pardon me, uh, ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, both my parents were in hospital at the same time, and my mother, who was doing very well, just abruptly died. Oh wow! Yeah. And so my brother and I flew out to uh, Florida, where they were living at the time, to take care of arrangements there. And as I mentioned, my dad was also in the same hospital at the time. So my brother and I get to the hospital, and uh, we go up to see my dad. And I walked in the hospital room. And Lance, I didn't recognize him. I honestly thought I had walked into the wrong room. 
What was what happened? <laughs> he was old. <laughs> and you hadn't seen him in. Oh, I seen him like the year before, but I mean, it was just. I, I don't know why. Just so he struck me like that. I honestly didn't recognize him. I remember turning around to my brother and saying, "Mike, we're in the wrong room. We got to we got to go find where Dad is." Oh wow! And uh, that's another thing that bothers me. You know, I didn't recognize my own father. <laughs> uh. And this and other brighter notes. <laughs> no, it's yet, right. I mean, we're getting right. Getting. We all get. We all. We all die eventually. Yeah. And we all get old. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting. You know, I mean, I am uh, about to be forty-nine. My mother just turned seventy-six. Um, my my in-laws are similar age, and. We just had a conversation with them not too long ago about how we're all struggling in different ways with them getting older and not being able to do some of the things that they used to be able to do in playing with the grandkids, mm. you know, um, or, you know, driving in, driving in urban traffic, <laughs> you know, which you know, they don't necessarily want to do anymore. Yeah, no, I, um, I understand that. You know, and and I'm, you know, I'm even though I'm 49 years old, um, I'm still sometimes young and stupid <laughs> about this stuff. You know, and, because, right, it's not, it's not, you know, we shouldn't expect my 70-some-year-old mother to be able to just, or mother-in-law or father-in-law just to get up and do whatever they did when they were 50. I mean, that it's, it's foolishness. And, and my sometimes impatient over it, over it is, um, disrespectful yeah. at best. Let's hold that thought. I got to take a break <laughs> here, but we got a bunch I'm disrespectful. of disrespectful. Let's hold that. Yeah. We, we got a bunch of things to talk about. So let's take a break here and we'll be right back. the day which the Lord has made. For the lonely and homebound, for the grieving and dying, and for all those who are afflicted in body, mind, and spirit, especially for me. Join us for a live broadcast of Chapel at the LCMS International Center weekdays at 10 a.m. on KFUO. Worldwide, KFUO Radio salutes our day sponsors on this Friday, August 3rd, 2018. Today's day sponsors are Lynn and Louise Oster. Today's day sponsors have made a contribution to Worldwide KFUO Radio in honor of August 4th, the day they met 34 years ago in Hawaii. Once again, we say thank you to Lynn and Louise Oster of St. Louis, Missouri, today's Worldwide KFUO Day Sponsors. 
Did you know that your individual retirement account may make the best gift to KFUO? The IRS now allows individuals 70 and a half or older to transfer their required minimum distribution directly to charity and avoid paying the associated income tax. These gifts can provide regular long-term resources to KFUO. If you have questions about making an IRA gift to KFUO, call me, Mary, at 314-996-1518. We'll send a representative out to help answer your questions and help you establish a legacy of giving to your favorite radio station, Worldwide KFUO. Hi, I'm Pastor Mark Hawkinson, host of Moments of Assurance on Worldwide KFUO. On the next MOA weekend, I'll share thoughts with you about the Apostle Paul's thorn in the flesh. Do we know what it was? Why did God allow it? Why does the Lord allow thorns in your flesh at times? I'll share thoughts about it on the next MOA weekend, heard at 7.45 a.m. Saturday and Sunday mornings on Worldwide KFUO, the messenger of good news. John Elliott was born August 5, 1604, and lived 86 years, leaving a legacy as a missionary and Bible translator. He was an English Puritan who cared deeply for the Native Americans of New England, an unpopular allegiance in the colonies. He learned the Wapanak language, and with the help of a Native American named John Sassamon, he translated the Bible into their language. Tensions between Native Americans and English colonists erupted in King Philip's War of 1675. By the end of the war, nearly all copies of the Wapanak language Bible had been destroyed. But on display in the Impact of the Bible on America exhibit in Museum of the Bible is a rare first edition of Eliot's translation, the first Bible printed in America. Engage with the Bible in all its sphere of influence over the centuries. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen, and guest pastor today is Pastor Lance O'Donnell from St. Paul Lutheran Church in Wisconsin. You want to join in our conversation, if you're in the St. Louis area, call us at area code 314-821-0850, or anywhere in North America, toll-free, and that number is area code 800-730-2727. Aging. The Bible promises us what? Three score and ten? Psalm, Psalm 90, yeah. yeah, 70 years or 80 if we have strength, yeah. So <laughs> what do we do when we start hitting that point and we start looking ahead to it? Um, I have had, uh, I wouldn't have called it the blessing at the time, but, but there, there have been a couple of times in my life, two or three times in my life, where uh, I was in a position where I could have died. Yeah. And I can honestly say now that I really don't fear death. Um, I, you know, I, I have ultimate faith that I am saved, and I, I just I'm not afraid of it. And uh, which wouldn't have been the case, uh, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago. But uh, so, do you mind if I ask you a question? Sure, go ahead. Sorry, um, you've been you've been close to death a couple times. Yep. So what advice would you give to me as a pastor about people who, in terms of bringing pastoral care to people in those situations? Well, if you don't mind that question. No, not at all. Uh, one, one of the things I had was, was I was I remember in being in intensive care uh, following a heart attack. 
and there's just this utter sense of peace that um, I had no worries anymore. I had no problems. Uh, the only thing, I, you know, none, none of the earthly things bothered me anymore. Uh, the only real question is, was I, would I live or if I died? And if I lived, I'd walk out, I'd be back with family and friends. And if I died, I'd be with God. And so I realized then there was absolutely nothing to worry about. Either way, I was going to win. So what would again? So what would your would, would be your recommendation to me? So you found peace. Yes. What about so? Um, what if I'm encountering somebody who's not necessarily finding that? Ask them what it is that they're afraid of. Got it. And as I said, you know, it just there there are only two possible outcomes. And and either way, I was going to come out ahead. And you know, and when I realized that, it was just, hey, you know, this is cool. I don't have to worry about it. I'm fine. Yeah. And that's uh, that. That's what helped me. That that le- been the last time there. You know, that that was that was it. A uh, couple of times, you know, as I mentioned, I'd be in. I was in. Oh. Let's see, I can think of, oh, there was a fire I darn near got killed in. There was a, a motorcycle crash I darn near got killed in, things like that. Uh, and the thing that, that got to me on both of those those instances, for example, was when I was facing an imminent situation, it was I had a total absence of fear, and I don't know why. To this day, I don't know why. You know, it's kind of funny, Lance. I was talking to my dad, um, and I was sharing with him the, the motorcycle accident that I yeah. had. I, I had just, I, I hit a car, and just a half a second or so before I hit that car, I knew I was dead. There was no question in my mind. And the only feeling I had was, oh, drat, oh, fudge. <laughs> and my dad said, you know, the same thing had happened to him during World War II. Uh, he was in the Philippines uh, toward the very end of the war. Um, the atomic bombs had been dropped, but the Japanese hadn't officially surrendered yet. Okay. Just the last couple of days of the war. And he is uh, flying on a uh, transport aircraft. And the plane catches fire and starts to go down. Oh, wow. And his dad said, the, <laughs> again, he said, absolutely no fear, just anger that he'd gone through four years of war without a scratch. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm going to die? I beg pardon? And, and he's thinking, now I'm going to die after going all through all that? Yeah, going years? through all that, you know, four years of war, you know, fighting the Japanese. <laughs> not a scratch, not a scratch. And now because of some stupid mechanics error... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but again, he said it was, even though at that time, you know, the same same thing with me was that I knew he was dead. He said he knew he was dead, too. The plane was going down. There was no way he was going to survive it. But again, absolutely no fear. Hmm. Strange, isn't it? You know, it's it. And I haven't been, I have not been in a situation like that. But I, I think because of the way, you know, because my father was so young when he died and yeah. how relatively young I was. That you know, I think about that probably more than I should, and you know, I think about my kids, and I think about how I reacted 
you know, when, when my dad died and how I, I went into despair and, or ended up in, you know, ended up in despair. And, you know, I would just, uh, I'm thinking, you know, there's so much to live for mm. that, um, you know, if I were able to speak to my kids in advance and say, you know, um, you know, you can be sad, but you got to go live your life. And God has given you a life, and go live it, right? And go to church, raise your children, and you know, you know, meet a great woman or man. Have, you know, live your live your life. Well, you know what's a, what's a good exercise. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been trained as a journalist. This is what I did for most of my life. And uh, one of the things they always make new reporters do, or actually whenever ever they hire a new reporter for a newspaper or a radio station, what have you, one of the standard things that's always done is you are told to write your own obituary. Interesting. Yeah. And uh, you did that for somebody as, as a new reporter when yeah. they took a job that where their first assignment was? Obituary. Really? Yeah. Why did you do that? Well, uh, it's two reasons. One is to one is to uh, actually teach them how to write obits, okay. uh, which is is it's an art form in and of itself. And the other is that uh, to prepare the the newspaper or the news organization for what happens when they lose one of their own. It happens. Yeah. And this is your opportunity to tell the world what you want to be remembered for. And uh, I've got a file on my computer at home called Der Tag, the day. Yeah. And uh, I've I've got you know, the the photo I want to put in my obit and some of the highlights and things like that. I, I open it up every so often and review it. And uh, that's that's another thing that helps I think to face the the uh, the inevitable. You know, as you point, nobody's going to get out of this life alive. Okay. <laughs> what an inter what an interesting exercise. <laughs> I think it was Jim Morrison who said that. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh it, it's it's an exercise where you can sit back and look at your life and say this is what I did, this is what I meant, this is how I affected things. Um uh, I read uh I read you know the actor James Garner yeah. Uh, uh, he wrote his, his autobiography shortly before his death, called uh, "The Garner Files," and he asked he had asked himself the question: How did he want to be remembered after his death? And he said, "With a smile." <laughs> and uh, that that's part of it. That's part of it. How do I? How do you want to be be remembered? It's an interesting strike. It just strikes me actually as an interesting pastoral care exercise for somebody mm. like me, even when talking with someone, you know, that if you have a sense that they have their priorities out of whack mm -hmm. and they're focusing on things that, that aren't ultimately important, that's not a bad leading question. No, not at all. What do you want to be remembered for? You know, and then, the, you know, you could say I was, you know, I, I had this much money and all, you know, and then, and then you could ask, well, so how much of that are you actually going to be able to take with you? Um, that's an, in, it's an interesting, it's an interesting just conversational question, well, for, even for bearing witness to Christ. Well, one thing um, 
I, I've written a couple of articles on this uh, uh, for magazines, is uh, take a walk through a cemetery and just look at the tombstones. What do they say? There's a story there. There's a story of every single one of those people who's in there, and you can follow it. I remember one I followed uh, back in when I lived in California. Uh, there was one uh, one grave was of a Union soldier from the Civil War, and about 20 feet away was a grave of a Confederate soldier. No kidding. Yeah. And then I found a whole bunch of tombstones had the same death date, 1877. What happened to the community that killed everyone like that? And uh, there was one, uh, there was a Native American uh, uh, a grave with a totem over it rather than a cross or a Star of David. Uh-huh. And other other tombstones that you could read, you know, and what do they say about about these people? What is it they wanted to be remembered about? And I think the one consistent thing I saw on this is that they wanted people to know that they had been loved. Mm-hmm. Say, devoted husband, devoted father, blah, blah, blah. They want people to know that this this person had been loved. That is an interesting question for conversation. In a surprise, it it really is that that is a great question. I think for just having convers. I mean, it sounds morbid at first, but <laughs> what do you want to be remembered for? I just had I had never thought of that as a question that you might use, even as a witnessing tool. Oh, so, so, there, so. you know, in the old days, it used to be the Kennedy question: if you go to if you go, you know, if you died tonight, what, you know, would you get in, right? Yeah. You know, um, you know, and people knock on your door and ask that question type of thing. But if you're actually able to have a conversation with someone, that's an interesting question. What do you want to be remembered for? That can, you know, it opens a door, but it doesn't, it's not kind of, it's not as blatant as some others. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, you might... Just as an exercise, you know, just try writing your own obit. It's uh, it, it's it's interesting. <laughs> I used to resist it. I remember the uh, first couple of times I didn't want to do it because it would be a bad luck. You know, I do have some superstitions, I'll admit. But uh, later on, I, I, I've... I've had one editor in particular who wanted to be remembered as being a bad influence, but a uh, a, a good teacher. <laughs> I, I still remember this guy. His name was uh, Vern Pizer. He was short, foul-mouthed, short-tempered, ill-tempered, miserable little tyrant. And I learned more journalism from this guy. <laughs> Darn what a teacher he was. <laughs> I wouldn't wouldn't let him in my house, <laughs> but boy, am I so thankful I worked with this guy. So, uh, when are you going to go see your brother? Uh I'm not sure. I, I think I'm hoping I can get there next year because uh, he's going to turn eighty, and that's a special birthday. Of course, my dad, when we did that with my dad when he turned eighty. Of course, okay. there's a question: uh, Is he still going to be there? Yeah. So, got to figure that. Am I going to be there for that matter? Uh, 
Yeah, but my health is good. He's, he is, his body is, he can't, it's sense of balance is gone. His, his legs are weak and he can't really walk anymore. When does he turn 80? Uh, not, not for about a year. He just turned 79 oh, just uh, two or three days ago. Okay. Well, I would really encourage you to go and plan your budget around it and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, cause I, you know, I would, you know, ultimately, right. That's in God's hands, but it, I always encourage people or try to encourage people to, you know, you know, our time is short and, you know, go give thanks and see the people that you love. Yes. If you can, I would really encourage that for you. Sounds to me like that would be a, Albuquerque is beautiful anyway. Oh yeah. I've been out there a number of times. (laughs) I love that area. So, you know, that's a, that's a great that's a great stop. Yeah. And uh, my two nephews are out there. One of them's an avid shooter. And last time I was out there, he and I went out target shooting. And then we went pub crawling. <laughs> yes, he's also a beer brewer. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that'd be fun. I, uh, I'd like to do that. And, you know, it's, you can never tell what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. Uh, you know, when my father passed away, this was not unexpected. When my mother passed away, you know, that, that, huh? That couldn't yeah. happen. I mean, she's a force of nature. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that hit both my, my brother and myself. We were, we were both, both, I think, much more impacted by, by my mother's death than by my father's. Mother being mother, of course, had made all the arrangements. <laughs> she knew who to give what to. I mean, she left notes on everything. This goes to my sister. This goes to my cousin. And um, did you have less fights than other people that you know because of that? Did I have one? I'm sure I didn't catch that. Did you have less arguments within the family because she'd done that? Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. She had uh, three sisters who sometimes were quarrelsome, and uh, she she listed everything for all the sisters. You know, that is often, that's probably worth a future conversation. Yeah. That um, a lot of people do not do that. I have, I have seen so many families um, really broken or at least fractured over dealing with assets and its personal effects. Mm. You know, because they're all, you know, and they're all tied up often with memories and uh, it gets heavily emotional, and the, the more I believe that someone has thought about that stuff in advance, the, the less like, like, it's less likely that there's conflict on the other side when they're gone. And there's a lot more to it than that, Lance. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, to look at the situation and say, yeah, eventually I'm going to be going. Uh, and these are the plans that I want. Like I told you about writing, writing the old bit. Sure. What I want done. Uh, one of the regrets that I had about when my wife was passing. You know, she was ill for a long time, and this right. was the, this is the final illness, and she was in total denial, and just refused to discuss anything about her passing. Just wouldn't do it. And so that was meant that I had to make a lot of decisions and a lot of uh, uh, plans without her knowledge or consent. 
And how did that make you feel? Horrible. <laughs> Absolutely horrible. Well, and why, but, I mean, why? I'm sorry? Why? Because uh, here I am planning my wife's death. <laughs> and it's just... But, and I, and I, I didn't say that in an accusatory... No, I know that. It was just... Well, for example, um, one of the things was uh, what to do with remains. Sure. And that was, again, something she didn't want to talk about. Uh, uh, There's certain, certain, oh, I had to get some, uh, I had to, to do some legal papers, for example, to get, to, get, uh, uh, to get control over certain things. And I had to do that without her knowledge. And it was uh, it was a very unpleasant experience. I mean, she even had her. She was Episcopalian, and uh, her priest had come over to uh, to talk to her about about the final about final things. You know, with uh, from from a spiritual point of view. And she threw him out of the house. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, well, that's traumatic for a lot of reasons. It was. It was. And, and I got to say, and, and it, part of that led to a lot of resentment on my part. Um, because I, I, had, I had this burden without any help. Uh, and then, of course, I'd be saying, well, gee, she's the one dying, not me. So what am I talking about? But um, just this, this utter refusal to admit that she was dying. And uh, oh, that yeah, that must have been very difficult. And so, for for you know, for our listeners out there, mm-hmm. uh, swallow your pride and talk about this stuff with your loved ones. Yes, because um, it, it's otherwise you're just leaving them to sort it out, and you leave all kinds of unanswered questions. Right. And there's so it's hard enough just to deal with the fact of someone's death. You know, I mean, you've, you know, you've had, it's, it's like part of your body has been severed Mm -hmm. and you have to learn to get used to it. I mean, and things is never, that's hard enough without all the other baggage. Um, So it's really, it's actually really helpful to talk about this stuff ahead of time with your family. Um, Even if you're in young or middle age. Well, my, my current wife and I, we sat down uh, maybe six months ago, and we did everything from making out our wills, uh, uh, who's going to take over if we're incapacitated. I've got my nephew, for example. If, if my wife, Holly, can't help me, he's going to make the decisions for me. You know, who, who can make financial and medical decisions? Uh, is there a DNR? You know, things along that line. And we've already done that. And, you know, part of it is I do not want to put my family through what I had to go through. Well, good for you. <laughs> right? I mean, right, it, it's, we're supposed to learn from that stuff. Yeah. You know, I mean, from everything, for that, for that matter. And that's, you know, to, and the, you know, you mentioned Psalm 90 earlier, but to, uh, you know, that's a, there's a passage in Psalm 90, you know, that we apply our hearts to wisdom. And... That this this strikes me as as one of those. Learn from the bitter, sometimes bitter experience of others uh, to help people, you know, deal with the inevitabilities of death and so forth. And and you and in so doing, you help people move on with their life. And I think it's an obligation. You know, we have families; we're responsible to them. 
we have friends. We're responsible to them. And it's, I, I think God expects it of us. You know, it's an interesting discussion because, you know, my, my in-laws who live nearby us mm-hmm. just went to the funeral home and got pricing for all this stuff. And I, you know, it's really expensive, or it can be, to do, oh, yeah. you know, the embalming and all that stuff. Um, and this is why it's worth thinking about when you're younger and even buying in a policy that will pay for it when you're older you know, I mean, because the, the longstanding Christian tradition, you know, and from our Jewish forefathers as well, is is for bodily burial. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I I have seen in my work as a pastor, now, right, it, eventually, we dust we are, and to dust we will return. Um, you know, that said, I, be, I believe that the best practice is for a bodily burial with a casket, um, for a lot of reasons, but... Uh, one, you know, one of the, the primary one for me is, you see a body go in the ground, and it's hard, but it's also a reminder of Christ's promise that we will get a new heavenly body. I think one argument can be made for cremation. Sure. Is as you say, from dust to dust. Yeah. And <laughs> I know that God can take that dust and make me again. No, and He will, and I'm not right. I, I I'm not. I'm not condemning anyone who does, and yeah. I wouldn't. So please don't understand me there. Yeah. I just, you know, I think you know. I'm also influenced here by what happened with my dad, whose death was sudden, and you know that we were at some distance. I just, I think for a lot of people, seeing the body is is hard, and yet at the same time, really helpful um, that, you know, he or she is, is dead. Um, and it just, you know, in a, in a way that ashes in a box don't do, um, that really, really preaches the law to people. And then, then the gospel is that much sweeter, uh, that Christ forgives, that Christ is risen from the dead, and that body which uh, was sown, according to St. Paul, sown in dishonor, is going to be raised in honor and glory. And there's, there is, in my experience as a pastor, there is something to be said for seeing that body, uh, in that dead body. And I realize some people may be offended by that, but um, there's something to, something to be said for it. That said, man, is it expensive to do the embalming and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. yeah reality, unfortunately, sometimes intrudes. Yeah. Well, Lance, we're out of time. Darn it! I'm having fun here <laughs> talking about talking about death. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! I know what's going to happen. Was, you know, yeah, it would <laughs> be nice to be down there someday, and I can actually have a have one of your home brews. Hey, that'd be fun. And actually, talk about this with an actual beer in hand. That sounds like fun. Oh, I think so too. We're going to do that. <laughs> All right. Okay. So. I want to tell everybody here that we have been listening to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. And I want to give a special thanks to the Pastor Baroness Fritz Bowie for letting us use his recording of All Glory, Lord, and Honor as the theme song for Let's Talk. The pastor is in. Pastor Bowie's music and his books are available at Amazon.com. I'm host Kip Allen wishing you God's blessings.
listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting The Pastor Is In on Worldwide KFUO.